good. My toes are a little cold right now. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I think like we're talking about the Minnesota Twins, but it feels like we're literally in Minnesota right now. With Den- I, don't, how, I don't know how cold it is right Denver, now. Denver, Colorado, right now is about six degrees. Sounds like St. Paul weather to me. It's, yeah, I was talking to uh, my cousin. Greg, this morning, he said it was minus 22 degrees in Fargo, North Dakota, as of 11 a.m. So it can always be worse, is what you're telling me. It absolutely can be a lot worse. I was talking to my friends in Georgia earlier this week, and they were, or actually Texas earlier this week, and they were really worried because it was 35 degrees in Austin, Texas, and so they were very worried uh, about the weather there. 35 degrees. 35 degrees. Yeah, those Texas people, man. They see an inch of snow and they cancel school, you know. Oh, not even an inch. Whereas here, you know, like, I don't. I, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you you have to end up just trekking through inches of whatever is on the ground. But it seems like in Texas they seem to have a little bit, a little lower of a standard. No, it, they don't even have to have snow to cancel school mm. in Texas. They just need to have a forecast for snow. For oh, so people as long as people think it's gonna snow, that's all it takes. That's right. Okay. All right. It's just like you, you just have to wish for snow, and then they can cancel school. Mm, okay, okay. Maybe I should move, should have moved to Texas a while ago. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, welcome back to episode three of Playing Catch. Uh, we're a little chilly here in uh, Denver, Colorado, but uh, we're excited to talk about a little baseball, considering that pitchers and catchers report in a week. Right? We are seven days away from the start of spring training. So if that doesn't get you a little bit excited for spring and able to sustain our current winter snap, cold snap, then I don't know what does. Yes. Now that I guess we we didn't say we were going to touch on this, but just very quickly, uh, the end of football season is over. Um, So we don't have to worry about. Thank goodness. Yeah, we don't have to worry about, you know. Well, I guess we'll definitely still hear Tom Brady's name on ESPN for the rest of our lives, but hopefully it'll be a little more baseball talk going forward now that, you know. We are now entering my favorite time of the year with spring training, then we have March Madness, mm-hmm. and then baseball season, and then, of course, the Masters for some people. Not, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with the Masters, but, you know, it's, to me it's about... Watching the <clears throat> Masters is pretty relaxing if you, like, need, like, a zen day. Just show up on a Saturday afternoon, turn it on, just listen to David Faraday and his beloved voice talk about, you know, Eamon Corner for a little while. It's, it's like a therapy session in a way. Yeah, so for us, so for, for many sports fans, I mean, I don't know if you can categorize sports fans, but there's sort of the football sort of part of the year, and there's a certain kind of sports fan, and then I feel like we get into baseball, and maybe it's a little bit of a different kind of sports fan, basketball, uh, Final Four. Uh, baseball season and the Masters kind of shifts us into that spring-summer vibe. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited about spring training starting and getting on with seeing guys playing baseball again real soon. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so since the season is uh, very near, uh, spring training starting next week, uh, there's been some uh, projections that have come out uh, as of recently. What are they called? The Pakoda? The Pakoda projections, Pakoda yeah. projections. So we were going to talk about that a little bit. Um for those of you, for those of you who don't really know, like what Pakoda is, I'm honestly still pretty new about it. Do you want to explain, kind of like where these projections come from, like who they're coming from, like what? Right. They, what so this is something like? that's done by uh, Baseball Prospectus, I think, every year, 
And essentially what they do is in advanced analytics, and I know how many of you are into that. I know I'm sort of like borderline analytics. If you want to get analytics, deep into analytics, this is not the podcast for you. We're going to spend some time maybe talking about some of the basics over the, uh, over the episodes. But essentially what this is is that uh, Baseball Prospectus develops projections for all of the players heading into the season. So now that we have the rosters close to being set, I mean, we're obviously going to have to wait and see what spring training uh, yields. And, of course, there's still some free agency to be um, completed. But basically, uh, we're getting a pretty good handle on what the club's uh, rosters are going to be. So they take the individual projections for each player. So uh, they do an analytics. They look at the sort of where they are in their career. They look at what their statistics have been in the past, advanced analytics. And then they sort of project where the players are going to be next year. And then in terms of the Pocota rankings of the teams, it's just an aggregation of each of those players. So based on what we assume the rosters are going to be, what do they think that's going to project out in terms of team performance, which then they translate into uh, projected wins losses by running simulations of seasons. You run just a bunch of computer simulations, maybe 10,000 of them, I forget exactly how many, and they figure out like what's the most likely or most frequent outcome that comes from those assessments. And so that's what came out this week. We're at, at that place now where we have enough understanding about what the teams are, um, what they're going to look like, so we can start to have some fun making projections. And, of course, they're just projections. And, you know, it could be that, you know, and, and just like if you're watching politi political polling, right, there's this thing called, like, you know, an error, right? It can, it can shift either direction, maybe three or four wins for each team. Uh, so teams that are right now maybe rated a little bit lower, but, you know, it's within the margin of error that they could do about three or four wins better or less. And, of course, you never know. I mean, obviously, it's just a prediction. Anything can happen. But nevertheless, it's just really sort of a basic ballpark. Um, uh, maybe, you know, excuse the pun, ballpark <laughs> uh, figure about what we might see. So anyway, those came out this week, and it was, was it really fun because there was some, some controversy uh, in the AL Central. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what the projections yielded. I think most people are believing and thinking that the real battle in the AL Central is going to be between the Twins and the White Sox, but Pakota said otherwise. They said it's uh, actually the Indians that are going to be the more competitive uh, opponent for the Twins. Uh, if you looked at the statistics, it basically ran that the Twins would win the division with about 91 wins or so. Uh, then the Indians would actually be... About five wins below that, around 86. And then the White Sox, who everybody thinks is going to be the juggernaut, I think they're sort of the darling pick for the AL Central by many, is actually projected to win 83 games. So you can imagine the south side of Chicago was not too happy no, I, with I, those I, I results. Imagine. I couldn't imagine. But, like, there has to be a, like, a certain reason. Like, we're looking at the White Sox as a team who were competitive last year in a shortened season, but what were the reasons behind the Indians being chosen over the White Sox? Is it, if we were to, if I were to guess, it would probably be pitching. But, like, you know, you look at the White Sox, they had Liam Hendricks, and their, put, their pitching staff has a couple of studs that are obviously very young, but, I mean, they're not by any means slouching in the pitching department. So I guess I'm a little interested what... It, were there any numbers that were standing out in terms of like why the Indians were projected to be better than the White Sox or why the White Sox were projected to not play as well as people thought? Right. So, I mean, I think from the White Sox, what I understand is that the projections show a fair amount of regression 
Uh, what do we mean by that is they don't think some guys are going to perform as well as they did last year uh, over the course of this year. So uh, basically the idea here with analytics, right, is that you have sort of a, get, a gauge of what sort of what the players should produce on a given year, knowing that some years they will um, perform above what's projected and other years they'll perform below what's projected. And I think uh, at least according to the projections, uh, they felt like players like Jose Abreu, who was MVP, right? Uh, Tim Anderson, uh, Madrigal, their second baseman, maybe performed a little bit better than they expected uh, uh, last year. So therefore, they're expecting a little bit of a regression back to their averages, right? So if you take that and they don't perform as well, then maybe they'll see, you know, they're not going to probably be quite as strong. Um, and then obviously, you know, we can say what the added benefit of adding a Lance Lynn is or adding a... Uh, you know, Liam Hendricks at the, in the, you know, probably added some value, but did it really replace? I mean, in the case of Hendricks, so this is what's interesting, right? So the Twins just signed Alice Colomay. Alice Colomay last year as the closer for the White Sox was pretty incredible. Hendricks was also incredible, mm -hmm. but uh, Colomay was awesome. So, like, so it's actually, if you look at the projections for the White Sox, it's probably a wash, right? I mean, it's not that we don't know. Um, what Colomay was going to perform for the White Sox, but in terms of performance last year, Hendricks is likely not going to do much better than what Colomay did because Colomay had a .81 ERA. He converted 16 of 18 save opportunities. So he had an awesome year. Uh, so you're not going to see added value there, right? So maybe you see in the, with the Indians, on the other hand, obviously they, they've lost Francisco Lindor. I mean, I think they're still projecting regression from last year for the Indians, just... Um, but, you know, you got Shane Bieber, you got that rotation. So you got every day you're going to be seeing, you're going to be competitive as a ball club. Um, I haven't looked at the projections uh, to talk about, like, what's going on with their, with their position players. But they obviously think that there's enough depth there that they can be at least, you know, 86 is not a, we're not talking about World Series champions here, right? But, you know, when you got Shane Bieber, arguably one of the top three pitchers in Major League Baseball, uh, you got the rest of that rotation still pretty solid, even though they lost Carrasco. Um, I think there's many who believe that they're going to be a pretty competitive club. So we'll see. I, I personally don't believe it. I think I still would still pick the White Sox as yeah, my uh, main competitor, but, you know, we'll see. I kind of agree with that statement. If anything, I think if I were to pick a team that I'm a little more afraid of to face, maybe not purely just based on last year, but just, like, based on who they have now, I still think that the White Sox, with their young talent, I mean, guys like Luis Roberts, I think he's going to get better. He's going to figure out how to hit a fastball, you know? And so, like, or at least I hope he does, because that doesn't sound like he'll be around if he doesn't know how to do that. But, like, there are guys on that White Sox team that definitely give me, you know, the, the creeps a little bit sometimes. And I, I do think that the Indians, having lost Lindor, um, kind of their core piece of, you know, their franchise for the past few years, I think that kind of, makes them a little less serious. Also, like, you threw that name Shane Bieber out, so I kind of forgot about him, if we're being completely honest, but how could you forget, you know, AL Cy Young winner by a landslide, you know? Like, it wasn't close. It was pretty much over by halfway through the season that this guy was going to be the best pitcher in the league for the rest of the year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised to see the Indians over them. I, I did think it was going to be close between them. It w I didn't think it was going to be the White Sox winning you know, a substantial amount of games more than the Indians. I knew it was going to be a race. And so it's interesting to see these projections and see, you know, 
who they think is re- going to regress, like the Tim Andersons. You know, I kind of like Tim Anderson. I like, you know, his little flair that he adds, you know, and, like, he had a great year. He was among the top hitters in terms of average and was a great leadoff hitter and definitely not one of the guys you wanted to face. And then, of course, Abreu, like we said, AL MVP. Like, he's, he's a scary guy, you know. You don't want to face him with guys on base because, you know, he can hurt you. So that's interesting. I find that really interesting that – it's not more the Twins that is the news, but the other teams within the Central are more the big news out of these projections coming out. Well, it's funny because I think early on in uh, free agency, you know, the, the White Sox came out of the gate kind of guns a-blazing, uh, getting that trade of Lynn, uh, you know, that bold move, a very rich contract to Hendricks, and people thought, okay, suddenly they became, like I said, the darlings. But I think the other thing you got to keep in mind, they probably overperformed last year. Like, I don't think the white people thought the White Sox were going to be as good as they were. I think people still believe they were the third-best team. And they, in fact, coincidentally, were the third-best team, actually, at the end of the year because yeah. they completely tanked the last week and a half. But the bottom line is that I think people generally thought they overperformed, right? Like, that would be the, you know, so, so for those of us who were, you know, not too ancient history back in uh, 2019, I think most people believe that the Twins overperformed, right? They had that crazy offensive year, broke the record for home runs. And then I think we were all a little bit disappointed, um, I mean, this crazy 60-game season, that the offense was not was not uh, what it was the year before. So, I mean, I think that's probably an interesting you know, sort of comparison, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Twins were able to pull out that division by pure luck, I think, at the end of the day because of the way that those two other teams kind of faded. Um, at different points in the last few weeks of the season. So I think that's probably a way to look at this, right, is that you know White Sox maybe overperformed last year. So it's not that they won't do well this year, but they may be not performing at this. Who knows? We could be all wrong. You're right. You might Louis Robert, Louis Smart Robert may become like a just, you know, the, you know a, 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 a complete stud. He looks like Yasiel Puig when he's Yeah, there, I mean, he know? does like have that vibe, right? He, so, he looks like one of those guys. So. so, yeah, exactly. So we'll have to see. So here's the fun thing. I just to do one more thing with this before we move on is I thought it'd be fun to look at the other teams that were sort of, if you use the projections, right, who would end up being in the playoffs. And so uh, despite the Blue Jays putting a ton of money into free agency this year, they're not expected to make the playoffs in the AL East. It's actually the Yankees. Uh, are the ones that are projected to win the division. Uh, and then in the AL uh, West, it's the Astros. And you would think, again, they lost Springer. Uh, you know, so <laughs> they lost Brantley. Oh, no, they got they re-signed Brantley. I'm sorry. They got Brantley back. Yeah. So the point is is that um, they're still thinking the Astros are the team to beat. Uh, the two wild card teams uh, that they were looking at in terms of the projections were um, the Angels. So I'm Excited about that. I would love to see Mike Trout playing October baseball. Yeah, and then they had the Rays and the Indians uh, next. So one or the other, I would probably pick the Rays, just because I think the Rays are probably more likely to make investments at the deadline. I think the Indians are pretty locked in to be keeping their salaries pretty low or not looking to make a ton of money. You know, it's not to say they wouldn't make an investment. So if that sort of way it plays out, um, the Twins would be playing the Astros in the first round of the playoffs, which I think we all have uh, still some scars. Well, would you rather play the Astros or would you rather play the Yankees? <laughs> that is, oh boy, the lesser of two evils, right? I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I, mean, I think... I mean, the answer is obvious to me, if you ask me. You I'd, think, st- I'd still play Houston any day of the week as opposed to the Yankees, in my opinion. Uh, well, we'll have to see. I mean, I think that that's the, 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 there's definitely, 
the Twins have something they have to prove one way or the other. I mean, it, uh, you know, obviously they got to get over the hump. They got to figure it out. I mean, you're, that's, gonna, that's you're not going to make it to the World Series unless you beat really good baseball teams, and they haven't proven they can do that. And so we're going to have to see. It's a long season, so we're going to have to see. Uh, anyway, what goes on? So, so yeah. So let's. I'll gear up for that Astros Twin series in October. All right, <laughs> everybody, get a call. Start a call. All right, we're gonna we're gonna make a note of this. That was a call of the season. Yeah. Okay. We're making. Yeah. We'll make. A, we'll do. We'll do a preseason prediction. So let's let's call this just sort of a, a teaser. Phase one. Yeah. Right. We'll do a preseason prediction. We'll do it closer to the start of the season, though. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. So let's uh, move on and talk about uh, the next thing we want to talk about is just like we you know because we're talking about projections we can tar- make a sort of a I don't know if it's a final assessment, but an assessment of the Twins free agency. Obviously, a lot of fireworks the last couple, three weeks, and we thought it'd be fun just to talk about sort of what we're most excited about in terms of what happened in the offseason, and maybe the thing we're a tiny bit disappointed about, um, and just sort of see how that stacks up in terms of where we're going to see the season and where, where our roster is looking at right now. So what are your thoughts on sort of what you're most excited about coming out of spring, uh, coming out of free agency, and maybe what you were wishing they would have done more um, with in terms of building that roster? Um, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit um, last episode, but also um, just a couple of minutes ago. But I think the thing that stands out to me most is the signing of Alex Colomay for the bullpen. Like, you were listing his numbers, like sub-1 ERA through, you know, 18 save appearances. He saved, he saved 16 of them, you know. Like, it's it's last year the bullpen – we thought it was going to be Taylor Rogers, and I think we both agree that he was a little out of his depth in terms of, like, how much we, you know, put games on the line on his shoulders. Like, he was definitely pushed a little too much, I think, as a, as a bullpen and needed a little bit more support. Um, and I don't think, you know, guys like Romo and Clippard were necessarily terrible, but they weren't they, – they didn't provide a stability that – made me very confident in our bullpen. And I think Colome coming in and establishing himself, I'm assuming he's going to be the closer, and establishing himself as the guy in the ninth inning to go to will take that weight that was on Taylor Rogers' shoulders this past year as the number one guy in the bullpen and kind of, like, relieve him a little bit of it. And I think he's going to benefit from this more than anybody as an eighth inning guy because... Who wants to face a, a, a sidewinder from the left side in the eighth inning? You know what I mean? Like, that does not sound fun. So I think bullpen's going to be much stronger with the addition of Colin May. I'm super excited to see what he does. Um, just another hard thrower. It's always fun to watch guys pump it up. Um, you know, we, we would see Trevor May, you know, hit high 90s, but I think this guy can really pump it in there and throw some gas. So, like, that'll be just super fun to watch going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is. I agree with you. Column A just adds another element to this bullpen that we didn't have last year. Hard thrower. Um, I think we talked a little bit about this last time. He does have sort of strange statistics, which makes him partly why it makes him affordable. He's not a high strikeout guy, but he's that Mariano Rivera cutter guy who will you know that, that he'll throw that cutter, which is sort of a sort of a fastball slash slider pitch where the ball comes in on your hands, sort of a very late, slight break. So uh, instead of being able to barrel up the baseball, a lot of times what ends up happening is you uh, hit it up on the, on the handle maybe a little bit more or roll over on it. So he's a big ground ball guy. So when you think about um, adding uh, the depth, the, the, the defense 
improvements the twins have made. I'm thinking about that's sort of the combination. So I would say sort of my, my, my answer is uh, the Andrelton-Simmons signing, is to be able to, you know, you've got the twins uh, starting um, rotation, which is solid. It was like number four uh, in the AL last year. Solid starting rotation. I mean, no Cy Young Award winners, even though Maeda was second. But nobody that's sort of that typical top of the rotation guy that you look for, that sort of that top-notch guy, but maybe that second level below, which is maybe we got two or three of those guys. Um, so if you have a solid defense, you got Simmons anchoring that defense in the infield, and you know you don't have huge strikeout guys um, in your rotation, Simmons as that defensive add is just going to, I think, make the Twins that much better pitching staff. So I think that's in particular the case with Colome. He's going to throw a lot of ground balls. We're going to turn some double plays. I actually think that the Twins are not going to count on him uh, to be – I mean, he's going to definitely get the most save opportunities. I think we're in agreement on that, although I do think it's going to be a bit by committee. I mean, I think you've got – you know, if the best – if you got guys coming up in the ninth inning that are left-handers, then maybe you're going to see Rodgers instead of Colome. Although Colome's reverse splits, I think, are still better against lefties. So I think, generally speaking, um, you're going to see a mix and match. You know how the Twins don't like – Rodgers has not been strong on consecutive days – um, and so it's just that mixing and matching. You got Duffy, who's been just phenomenal in that sort of seventh inning role. So I, I definitely think the adding a column a is great, but I, I'm most excited to see how that combination of the defense being significantly improved with Simmons and then playing into the starting rotation's ability to get ground balls and just back up that already strong rotation, make them even a little bit better. Uh, I expect the Twins to be a much more rounded team because of the Simmons signing. And so I'm most excited about that. So then there's got to be something that we're maybe a little disappointed with in terms of the free agency. And I think we're somewhat on the same page when it comes to this. And it's not necessarily like since we don't have this, we're not going to make a run. But uh, I definitely think that adding a guy like Jake Odorizzi to our rotation would put us at another level in terms of starting pitching. It would it would just give us just another level of depth to, you know, play around with necessarily. And just, like you said, if guys were to go down, it would just be a nice thing to fall back on a little bit to have these guys, you know, sitting there ready to go. So, I mean, Jake Odorizzi had a great year for us in 2019. Um, he couldn't really get off to... You know, he he only made one start. Did he make one or two starts? He just couldn't get off the injured list uh, in 2020. Um, and so that was a little disappointing. Didn't get to see him on the mound as much uh, at full strength. But I think if we were to bring a guy like that back, I think he would only, you know, provide a depth that we could potentially use for a lot of different things, you know. So um, that was one thing that I – and I guess – it's not technically done yet, but if I were to say one thing, I, I would have. I wouldn't mind to see Jake Odorizzi back in a Twins uniform this year. Well, uh, I mean, I agree. Odie would have been great. Bat- great. I liked the way he battled. I thought he was a competitor. Um, yeah, he had a just an unfortunate uh, 2020, and I would like to have seen him back. I mean, I would agree. I think it would have been great to see that one more uh, starting pitching signing, just to get that added depth. Uh, I think that may still happen. They may get sort of a veteran um, that they're willing to get sort of in a bargain basement deal, sort of, sort of sitting on the discount rack because it'll be 
mid you know it'll be mid March and there's a couple guys that are still out there and the Twins will maybe make maybe sign one for like three million dollars and kind of like a Rich Hill um, uh, Homer Bradley kind of or B- Bailey signing. So I still think that might happen, but that's not the impact kind of signing I think we're talking about, right? I think we were talking about somebody who could be that other arm. You know, I, I, I'm disappointed about that a little bit, too. I think Jay Happ's going to be solid, though. Um, I think that what I worry about is depth. I worry about the guy, you know, um, getting injured and then having to fill it in. Like last year where we were filling it in for Odorizzi all, long, all year long. I suspect that if the Twins are in the hunt, which I fully anticipate that they will be, at the trade deadline or at some point, they're going to make a deal. I mean, that's the place where they'll add, right? So, you're, you know, it's uh, end of August or whatever the deadline is, end of July, and they go ahead and they see that's where they need to add depth, and they're going to go out and find that, um, you know, that uh, expiring free agent, you know, expiring contract on a team that's already done for the year, and they're going to go out and find that arm that's going to add that extra spark. So that's that's what I'm going to hope for. Um, and, and or do it sooner than that. And so that's, that's my hope and that, that we're going to see the Twins add to that rotation at some point during the regular season. So anyway, but all, all in all, I'm actually really pleased with the, with the free agency. Added, obviously adding Nelson Cruz back is going to make – just, that's just – he's just part of the identity of this team. It would be just not the same Twins club right now if Nelson Cruz wasn't uh, – uh, taken up that third or third spot in the in the order, so it, I'm really glad to see him there. I'm not expecting him to have the kind of year he's had the last two years. He's getting up there, but I still think he's a solid, threatening presence in the middle of that Twins lineup. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we didn't even touch on Cruz, but yeah, like you said, he's one of those guys where if we were to lose him, it would not be the same team. So. I mean, that's the thing is that, yeah, I do worry. I mean, we talked about this last time as well. He is older. You know, will he stay healthy? Will Donaldson stay healthy? You know, do they have the adequate depth to be able to manage that? I think they feel like they've addressed that to a certain extent with the signing of Simmons, allowing Polanco to move to second and Arise being that 10th guy who can play the third base position um, uh, if necessary. Um, I think they've got enough young guys down there that can be that, you know, fill in the Rookers and the Kirilovs. Uh, that could definitely offensively, you know, not not make up for Donaldson or Cruz, but if one of them goes down, um, you know, could definitely at least help to a certain extent. I would obviously think that could be another depth area for the Twins down the road. Let's add a sort of a veteran right-handed bat to cut guard against a Donaldson or a Cruz injury. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's exciting to know uh, where we're at. Um, Let's move on and talk a little bit about the other piece of information that came out, the piece of news. Keith Law uh, with The Athletic um, does, he's kind of the guy who tracks the minor leagues and sort of what what the state of the minor leagues are. We know we had a huge upheaval this year in the minor league systems with some teams with the league getting, with minor leagues getting reorganized. Obviously the Twins saw a big shift in terms of um, the affiliates with the St. Paul Saints right. becoming the AAA affiliate. That is just the coolest thing ever. I am extremely jealous that I just don't live in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Yeah. You know, we used to, Ben and I, we, you know, we used to live in on the west side of St. Paul. Just uh, across the bridge. Yeah, we could have, like, basically ridden our bicycles down <laughs> to uh, watch um, the the Saints uh, at that, to play the, the AAA team. So, I think uh, the Twins, obviously, farm system remains very strong. And Keith Law, in the uh, at least this this year's rankings of the minor league systems, agreed, making the Twins the seventh best farm system 
in Major League Baseball. And that's saying something because we haven't had any number one high level, high number one picks for a few years because we've been doing well. Uh, so the bottom line is that the Twins have had enough depth um, and they've been building it. Uh, maybe it's not quite what it was two or three years ago, but it's definitely still really strong. With you know, when you think about players like Royce Lewis, Alex Kirilov, um, Trevor Larnack, uh, Jordan Belchevic. Uh, I mean, there's some Duran. Uh, uh, there's some pretty solid um, uh, players. Uh, that make up the minor league team. So we have a lot to look forward to. So, yeah, I mean, and many of them will probably be in AAA. And so it'll be really fun to watch some of those guys uh, in St. Paul. Um, and so it's kind of fun to see that the Twins have at least some depth and have a future. Like we're going to – the suggestion is that they're going to be a pretty competitive club for a number of years. No, I, I'm, th- I'm just trying to think about, like, that Saints lineup, you know, like an opening day Saints lineup. You know, do you have – Williams Asadio behind the plate is he still you know down there or is that like you got who else you got Rooker Kirilov maybe one of them making the team uh, then who else you Nick Gordon you got, down there yeah I think Nick Gordon if he's still with the club um, you still got um, yeah and then um, Larnock maybe making it there I mean I don't know if some of these guys start in Double A. Um, so who knows where they'll end up being, but I think it's possible that, yeah, we're going to have some fun, some interest in mean, Duran probably being down in AAA, so mm-hmm. there's going to be some good arms down there. Um, it's Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I suspect that almost every night of the summer, right, between AAA and uh, Twins baseball, you can watch some pretty cool baseball in the Twin Cities area this I mean, summer. Depending on the first pitch and, you know, everything, like you could go – See the Saints play in the afternoon. If the Twins got a night game, you go see the Twins play at night. It would be a, a double doozy if you really wanted to. That's right. Just jump on the green line. Yeah. Head exactly. across town. Uh, yeah. For a baseball fan, it's like a dream come true as far as I'm concerned. It's just the coolest thing. Um, I've gotten a chance to see some AAA ball over the years, and uh, and it's, it's, it's a fun environment, right? Like it's, it's high-level, high-quality baseball. It's a more intimate environment. Of course, all of our Minneapolis-St. Paul friends know that from the Saints but now that we got this sort of uh, just the the level of play and the sort of the the value and sort of the interest level will just go through the roof, right? I mean, uh, to know that you have a guy you can sit and watch Royce Lewis and see what he how he's developing, and then to see him, you know, literally <laughs> jump on uh, I ninety four and head over to the Target right. Field yeah, and exactly. uh, see it's not him. Exactly, it's not exactly we're calling them up. It's just uh, it's, uh, I think they probably just send him a text message like, "Hey, we uh, we need you up here." So, exactly. I mean, that's what's crazy, right? Like they could call a guy up. I mean, I mean, I don't know exactly how it works uh, in terms of when you have to set your roster for a given game, but it's not inconceivable, right? Like that you could at the at the the last, last second. possible second, yeah. you can call just literally get a guy on the phone and say, "Uber over here, man. Mm-hmm. We need you." Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Would they Uber? Do you think they'd Uber, or do you think they probably send a car over <laughs> if he doesn't know or if they don't have one, but. Uh, I don't know, bumping into a guy like, uh, I don't know, Brent Rooker, Alex Kirilov on the green line, that'd be kind of cool. That was, he's, got yeah, all who his, knows? he's got all his gear, he's like, yeah, just, they call me. <laughs> that would be cool. It's like, just have his, like, his bag, his uniform's already on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it'd, be, uh, it'd be like a commercial, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like one of those commercials where it's like, you run into Joe Mauer at a random spot or something yeah, like that's that, right. you know? That's right. Ones, but. So anyway, so a lot to look forward to in the minor leagues. Um, just for fun, you know, we could go through sort of the top teams above the Twins um, and then check out the rest of the AL Central. So Law's uh, rankings had the Tampa Bay Rays as the number one perennial sort of top that they've done for a team that has 
No fan base to speak of. They've done an unbelievable job. They're in the worst stadium, in my opinion, in all Major League Baseball, and they continue to just develop talent like nobody's business. They sort of have created this formula where they they deal guys right when they're about to hit the market, right to sort of maximize their value and then trade that in for quality talent. And they do it, and they do it year after year, and they're number one. Cleveland Indians, number two. So, I mean, that obviously gets sort of raises your eyebrows at the Indians, of course, we all know um, that the Twins have uh, the Cleveland Indians pedigree with Derek Falvey um, having come from the from the Indians. And so, yeah, they do good things there in terms of building talent, particularly pitching. So to see them be number second is a little bit worrying. But on the other hand, we know that they're also not a big um, payroll team. So, you know, I think that's what's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Indians now uh, in terms of how they sort of become a revolving door um, in terms of their talent. Number three uh, was Toronto, and you can imagine that with some of the talent that they brought up these last couple of years. Miami always seems to have some strong talent in the minors. Uh, Arizona, Atlanta, and San Diego, which, of course, we've heard a lot about San Diego and mm-hmm. what they're doing. And the fact that they added all this talent uh, through trades in the offseason, Darvish and Snell and I think by most accounts did not actually give up some of their most talented players so there's so the Padres are definitely loaded um, for the present and for the future. And then of course you had the Twins at eight. Uh, in terms of the AL Central, uh, the Tigers are rated twelfth, Kansas City fifteenth, and then the White Sox rated twenty second. So definitely so in the lower me, half. You're telling me all these guys that are coming up for the White Sox are basically it for a while. Is what it sounds like. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, people have known them to not have the great, the greatest minor league system for quite a long time. They've never have been super strong. Um, and, you know, it explains then why they've had to add talent through trades and through free agent signings to sort of fill some gaps. And so, yeah, I mean, and Abreu obviously is great. He's definitely maybe at his peak now, but who knows. Um, so, yeah, so the White Sox, if they're going to build talent, that'll be interesting to see what they do and how they do it and how they perform. Um, but in the short run, it looks like they're, at least their system isn't ranked nearly where the Twins are. So we'll see. Uh, so anyway, so that was, I think, a fun thing to look at is sort of seeing how the Twins have. I think we all agree the front office for the Twins have done a remarkable job uh, so far. Uh, I think nobody can complain with the results except for the playoffs. So let's hope that we uh, know we've got some of these guys coming up uh, that are going to add value to this, keep adding value to this club. Absolutely. Definitely. We're... Well, just, like, to kind of go back and look at a team like the Rays or the Indians with these, like, really interesting farm systems going, like, I'm looking at guys that kind of come out of nowhere, I think, sometimes from these farm systems. So, like, the Randy Arozarena, who completely took over that lineup in the playoffs for the Rays. Like, who the heck was he before the playoffs started? You know what I mean? Like, just these diamond-in-the-rough kind of guys. I think the Rays... If I'm being completely honest, made a mistake giving up Snell. I think they also made a mistake not keeping him in the ball game in the World Series. Uh, maybe that decision played a part in whether or not he stayed a Tampa Bay Ray or not, but who knows. Uh, so, yeah, I think a team like the Padres, who are finding ways to you know, develop guys and trade for guys, like I think they're going to be scary for a long time. Um, and, I mean, the Dodgers, too, obviously. Like... 
This is this is a perfect transition, don't you think? Yeah, well, it is Valentine's Day. We're recording this on February 14th. Yep. And so Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day event. Awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got a, your mom and I have just really amazing plans. We're going to watch um, in um, Barb and Star go to Vistal Domar. That's what we're going to do. Nice. That movie, the Chris, new Kristen Wiig movie. That's what we're doing yeah, for no, Valentine's no Day. Yeah, no idea what you're talking about. But it sounds, <laughs> sounds super exciting. The people who made Bridesmaids. Oh, okay. All those right. people That'll be fun, have man. a movie. With it's Kristen Wiig? Okay. Kristen Wiig's yeah, new okay. movie. So that's what we're doing for Valentine's Day. Okay. That seems right up your guys' alley. It's right I mean, up our alley. I mean, completely honest. Yeah, no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. So we're looking forward to That's our super exciting Sunday, February 14th, <laughs> Valentine's Day. Yeah, anyway, so, so, but yes, it's time for what we like to call heart to heart, which is, of course, you know, when father and son get a chance to talk to one another and check in with each other and see how they're doing. And, and it is Valentine's Day, and we all know that um, Ben does have a, a bit of a bromance. Yeah. Um, this definitely established from our earlier podcast with mm-hmm. the one and only Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Bauer outage. Bauer outage. Uh, and so, of course, it was a big week or, a, or so. It was about a week ago now, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. where the big news broke. Did you see the video? Oh, yeah. The video was great. The video? But did you see that they, he screwed up the video? They screwed up the video, right? What do you mean they screwed so it up? So I think, I, if I don't understand it correctly, so he, so they had this whole video, which was like, Trevor Bauer, like, talking about, like, what it means to be a baseball player and what he want, his goals are and sort of this super inspirational thing. It's like an intro video. Intro like video, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. You know? And so it was, like, all leading up to him, like, doing the reveal of what team he was going to be. But if you looked at the video of it, like, they were flashing all kinds of different uniforms, and the ones that they were flashing the most, I saw the Mets. I'm like, those are a lot of Mets jerseys that they're showing. And and then the big reveal was. Well, I mean, it was the Dodgers, it was, right? It was the Dodgers. So 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 what? Enough. My understanding is what happened is is that they had multiple videos that had sort of similar things where they were sort of you know cueing the different jerseys, but like using right, like flashing the jersey that was going to be the reveal a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I heard. And they used the wrong video. Like really? they pulled the wrong video. They pulled the one for the Mets. Wow. Instead of for the Dodgers. So then the big reveal was like they've been sort of showing all these Mets jerseys. Mm-hmm. And then they do the big reveal of the Dodgers. Dodgers. So you can imagine the Mets fans are like just like they felt like they were being trolled yeah. by Bauer. Like, oh, he was teasing us. But like what else is new if you're a Nets if you're a Mets fan right now? Like, <laughs> like isn't it just like completely fitting that he would just decide to go to a team that's probably the farthest team away from the New York Mets as possible in terms of distance and just you know well, Just you know, general like, feel, you know, like. Uh, well, that's what's funny because you, you don't mess with New York, man. Like, I just think that he's just. At, so apparently, it turned out that somebody from his team, his communications team, he has got actually got a team, mm-hmm. pulled the wrong video. So he, he had to, uh, he had to like apologize. So yes, like, okay, <laughs> I did see. So he yeah. like he had this whole series of tweets that he sent out to the like Mets fans. Or yeah, whatever, apologizing, and describing the situation and yeah. everything. And so, it's, it's so, so much though. for being like Mr. Like PR dude. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, I guess it wasn't his fault necessarily. The theatrics of it definitely, that's his responsibility. So that definitely played a role, I think. But yeah, I, it's funny because like 
I saw the, his apology tweet, I start reading the comments, like the replies, you know, and um, you probably don't know who this is, but uh, I was scrolling through our Twitter and I came across a reply uh, by the, and, and the, the guy who replied is named Dylan O'Brien. Okay. And Dylan O'Brien, for those of you who don't know, um, he, he, so he was in a show called Teen Wolf, not like, I, think, I know that there was a different Teen Wolf, like, way back, but he was in, like, this whole, like, new show called Teen Wolf, and he was, like, the guy. He was the main guy. Everybody thought For he was people cute. my generation, he, is he the, the, the Michael J. Fox I character? I think so. I'm almost positive. I don't know if it's a, I've never seen the show. I just know, like, this is how he got his All right. call to fame or whatever, but uh, he's supposed to be, I think, the guy. Like, he's, he's one of the the main characters, if not the main character. Um, and he's a Mets fan, I guess, and was replying to Trevor, Trevor Bauer's tweet. And it was a very, like, we don't need your apology. I don't want to hear it. Have a good time in L.A. F you kind of thing, you know? Like, he was pissed. Okay. Like, he okay. was not happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just like I don't. I thought it was just super interesting because I just think it's just like the epitome of Mets baseball at this point. It's just like you know, you got all this hope. You know, you got Degrom, you got Syndergaard, you just got Lindor. You're gonna get Bauer, and then that didn't happen. And then it's like you yeah, know, like yeah. at the very last minute. So it seems very fitting. That the so Mets it's gonna be, be interesting when there's that first Mets Dodger matchup and uh, Bauer takes the ball. Mm. And uh, mm. we're going to see what happens, if anything happens. How about when he steps in the batter's box? How about oh, yeah. when well, that you, well, that's right. We still have the DH in the National League. And Bauer, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so let's, you know, for everything this guy's worth, he's trying to market the heck out of himself, and he's had a little bit of a hiccup coming out of the gate with his probably the biggest moment, other than if he yes. wins a, another Cy Young or a World Series, he's going to have professionally. Uh, I mean, with the three-year deal... Right. Uh, uh, what about a hundred and two million dollars, something yeah, like that? Something Ten million dollar signing bonus. Ridiculous. He's going to make t- uh, twenty eight million th- this year. So that's you know twenty eight million plus ten million signing bonus. Thirty two million. So there's options though. I think each of the two years. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, this guy's getting his payday. And I mean, I know you love him, but I. <laughs> I mean, he's really he won the Cy Young on a sixty game season, dude. I mean, it's not like he was like been like i mean he's been a solid very top much a top of the rotation guy for a while with the indians but nevertheless i'm just it's got i guess you got to hand it to the guy he cashed in so more more props to him for for cashing in well i don't know if you heard this but within bauer's contract there's a specific no trade clause to a certain division in baseball and can you guess what division that one is oh i didn't see this national league east no what? It is the AL Central. AL Central. He refuses to go back to the AL Central. No, I think you have a theory for why that is. Well, if you're familiar with Trevor Bauer's history with the Twins, uh, more specifically Max Kepler, um, went yard off of him five straight at-bats. Um, I don't think he liked facing the Twins in general. I feel like the Twins hit him pretty well whenever we faced him. And so I can understand his, you know, his fear to go back and face, you know, 
a team that hasn't so won a playoff game since 2003. I can I understand his fear. So know, we're gonna call theory. it the, we're gonna call it the Kepler clause. The Kepler clause. The Kepler clause. That's what I like to hear. So he does not exactly. want to face Max Kepler. Let's, let's, let's just say Someone that's the hashtag that and tag Bauer, and then we'll just you know. We'll get it yeah, out. Let's there. do that. We'll do that. We'll yeah, do yeah, that. yeah. Like, the Kepler uh, clause. He might like that. Yeah, actually, that's, yeah, I'm he sure he'd, that's he'd, he'd probably think it's funny. So we're gonna say the reason he's in the National League is because of Max Kepler. We're gonna just completely yeah. take yeah. ownership for that. Absolutely. And because absolutely, there's that's the one player that completely owns Trevor Bauer. Absolutely. So if he would have had to face Max Kepler. Uh, yes, I mean, he, yeah, he would have probably seen his value drops precipitously um, in terms of getting a payday. So, <laughs> based on what we've seen in the statistics, you know, exactly, exactly. So he's making thirty-eight million dollars. Okay, so I just here's where I want to go. It's so like more power to him. You know, we've got good friends. Maybe we'll have them on uh, neighbors who, who are huge Dodger fans. So they're completely pumped, uh, and I can imagine Dodger fans are completely pumped. But can I just talk to you about like? how insane the Dodgers payroll is for a second. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to talk to you about So let's just, like, gear... I'm going to give you a little bit of a calibration, okay? Yeah. So so let's say the Twins, I think, are in the top seven or eight in terms of, um, I think, in the American League. I mean, they're definitely a top half uh, um, um, in terms of their salary. So right now they're at about $130 million, which is about $10 million less than last year, was supposed to be if they would have done a full season. So they've definitely stepped it back a tiny bit. But, I mean, like we talked about earlier, I would anticipate the Twins would add. Um, so so that's the Twins are at $130 million. So let's go to the other end of the spectrum in terms of we're just going to talk about competitive teams. So we talked earlier about the Indians being projected to be a playoff team potentially. They're right now projected at around $45 million. I mean, they may still add. But if you look, basically, they're looking at about $45 million. So why don't you tell me what you think your best guess is of right now what the Dodgers, how much they're going to have to spend this year in order to field the team with the contracts they have. And I don't know if you understand what my subtle, what, word, what I'm referencing here, but I'm, I'll tell you what, I th what I'm referencing afterwards. I'm, but, but you just give me a guess of how much you think they're going to be at, at least today if they're if their current contract structure so if they have the roster in terms of the people they have under contract right now how much they're going to have to spend this year to field to field the team with the contracts they have what's your guess i mean i want to say like i'm just trying to think of the contracts they got now they got mookie they got so they got i mean bellinger obviously like you can kind of just go on and on. You saw, like, Walker like Bueller like, signed a yeah. contract this week, and he, they're paying him, like, $4 million. Yeah, it's it just, like, kind of okay, keeps like, going. Which is crazy, because the guy's amazing. And I mean, he, I mean, if we're going to be completely... Okay, but so just give me your yeah. best guess. Uh, I want to say... Is it, like, two-something? Yeah. Okay, so it's... Okay, it's, that makes more sense. It's... Okay, so if you consider both what they have in terms of contracts... And the fact that they're going to go over the luxury tax per amount, right? So basically the way it works in the Major League Baseball is that at least this year, um, if you go over a certain um, salary amount um, uh, in terms of your total contracts, um, then you have to um, pay a tax 
a luxury tax, they call it. And that's, of course, an attempt. I mean, we don't have a salary cap like they have in basketball and football, right? They have salary caps. Um, They have just a luxury tax, which basically says you can exceed the amount that we have, but you're going to pay for it. So... So the so that that's two hundred and ten million dollars would once you go over two hundred and ten million dollars you're paying a thirty three percent tax on every dollar above two hundred and ten million dollars. So right now, uh, the um, Dodgers the Dodgers um, current contracts are at two hundred and fifty four million dollars. Um, they just signed Justin Turner. Um, to a two-year, what, $30 million deal, $34 million deal. So they are at $254 million. You throw in the luxury tax, which is another $14.75 million, and pretty soon they're at $272 million compared to the Twins, which we said are at $130 million. So they are already twice, mm-hmm. spending twice as much money uh, as the Twins, who most would argue have a sort of higher-end Annual and compared to a team like the Indians, Indians at forty-five million. Okay, so here's what's insane. So, okay, what's your guess on how much they are spending on starting pitching alone this year? So that's Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, Price, Price. Jesus, <laughs> just keeps going. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do they have a, do they have a fifth one? Uh, nobody that's making over the minimum. So you got oh, Urias, so Urias yeah, or um, yeah. So he's like making the major league minimum. Oh, man, on starting pitching alone. Yeah. So basically, it's four guys. Right. So I don't know what Kershaw's contract is at this point, but it's, is it? It's ridiculous. Is it still re- okay? Yeah. So like ballpark just for starting pitching. So those four guys. I mean. It's got to be a hundred, right? It's eighty-five million, and I think the reason is because um, I think they can spread out um, Bauer's like signing oh, bonus. Okay. But uh, but but eighty-five million dollars on, on four players, basically four players. Yeah. Basically who, four who players. Who pitch every four days? Yes. So what was the what was the amount that we heard on Bauer? Like every game, he's going to make like one point three million dollars. Something. Something like that. Ridiculous. Per game. Yeah. Um, is that right? I mean, I can't remember how much. I don't, it was. Know, I don't know if it's per start. Yeah, that seems more. Uh, when you throw in the signing bonus plus the salary, mm-hmm. so it's like yeah, it's like one point three million dollars per start if he th- like does thirty starts. Yeah. So eighty five million dollars. They already have forty three million dollars committed for relief pitching. Forty three million dollars. Okay, the Twins' highest paid. Relief pitcher, I think, is 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 uh, Rogers probably at mm. like seven or eight million dollars. Right. So I mean, it's just it's insane. And then um, obviously with Mookie, yeah, their outfield is ridiculous. So here's a club that has decided they don't care about price, and so they're trying to buy themselves another World Series championship. You know, understandably, you know they're in a window um, here, and so it's truly insane. It's a big, uh, big window. What they're able to say. do. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got... I mean, I mean, they've been there this whole time. Well, they've won, know? what, five or six straight um, National League West titles, something yeah. like that, six yeah. or seven, yeah. maybe more than that, I forget. So this is a team... I, I, I wonder if they would have, like... I, something tells me that if because it's the Padres that are chasing them, that's why they went in, right? Like, if it had been, like, the Rockies, right? Yeah. Made these kind of deals. The Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, or the Diamondbacks. Something tells me they, would, they wouldn't have been scared. Is there yeah. something about looking... 
down the freeway there and seeing that young Padres team. Uh, there's no question they're sort of sending a message I that mean, they're not they're not they are not going to let the Padres beat them. This I week. mean that series though between the, the two in the playoffs, you know, like you could kind of tell there was like a little something extra there. It was like these two teams are going to be the teams, you know, going forward, and so it was like who's going to blink first yeah. a little bit. So no doubt, no doubt. I definitely think the Dodgers. I think you're right. I think the Dodgers looked and saw, you know, San Diego adding guys like Darvish and was like, all right, if they want to add Darvish, we'll add Bauer. Like, completely cancel out that whole thing. And, like, then it still asks them to beat us, you know, because I still think the Dodgers are a better team, but I think if there's any team in the National League, I think the Padres at this point, considering all the moves they've made, are the scariest team to the Dodgers. I didn't didn't look it up and see what their – Pakota projections were. I can do that. But I think that, uh, I agree with that. It's going to be some interesting games. They play 19 times if we do a full 162. Uh, so uh, there's going to be some epic battles down in Southern California this summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So some serious, fun games. Hopefully, so to me, uh, so that's the, the only hope I have for that then is that what that means is that um, when ESPN does Sunday Night Baseball, that it won't be the Yankees and Red Sox every weekend. Mm -hmm. That we're going to see Padres versus Dodgers be the epic sort of every time they're playing a weekend series, that's the game that's going to be Sunday night because those are the games I'm going to watch. Now, of course... We get MLB extra innings, so we're <laughs> not going to worry. We don't have to worry about that. If you want, but uh, if you're a baseball fan, you got to get excited about that sort of that matchup. It reminds me, sort of, yeah, your classic sort of Dodgers Yankees, you know, crosstown rivalry. I mean, San Diego is down the freeway, a piece from LA, but still in that whole area, it's going to be quite a fun time being a baseball fan in Southern California, and with te- yeah, with some um, characters like Trevor Bauer and. Uh, and Fernando Tatis, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be some entertaining matchups. I can't imagine a ninth, right, right, a, a ninth in any matchup, or or maybe a you know a key moment matchup between Bauer and Tatis, maybe in the seventh inning or Bauer something Tatis, like that. And then you got you know, freaking. Clevenger versus Mookie or whatever, yeah, and like yeah. it just goes on and on. Yeah, you know? it's just truly insane to watch those really high, high, high. High talent, very talented baseball players going head to head over a course of a summer. It's gonna mm-hmm. be awesome. So, Absolutely. so anyway, you can tell. Yeah, we're, I'm getting excited, man. I'm getting excited for baseball in general, for Twins baseball. I mean, <laughs> Rockies baseball, not so much. But uh, anyway, you know, you, at least we're gonna be able to see. Assuming we get fans in the crowd, I mean, who knows? Well, yeah. At some point, be able to get out there and see San Diego. Get out there and see the Dodgers. Uh, let's hope that that happens. It sounds like the majority of the teams are planning on at least at some point during the year, to returning back to its normal capacity. Yeah, I've yeah. heard like they're planning on at least 10,000 fans a game, mm-hmm. uh, roughly. I think yeah. a percentage of whatever their capacity is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you want to get a ticket, you really want to see a ball game, there'll probably be some opportunities. Um, and so, yeah, you might have to pay a little bit more, but whatever. It could Who be knows? worth it. It honestly. might be worth it especially with some of these kind of clubs coming in town. So, Definitely. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, that's look super excited about watching that. Uh, I cannot believe the Dodgers payroll. Uh, it makes me not like them very much, I have to tell you. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's a difference between looking at a team like the Yankees, who have a huge payroll also, and it's looking at a team like the Dodgers, you know? And it's like 
if we were National League fans, would we feel the same way about the Dodgers that we do about the Yankees? You know, is it like the same Maybe. thing? I think probably. Because I don't mind the Dodgers at all. No, like, I, I don't. I think it's they're a fun team to watch. It's no. more the Yankees that I despise. Yeah, you know, but yeah. they're basically the same club. Just. I think that the history, the history of the Yankees of being sort of bad boys of Major League Baseball, uh, sort of the culture around the club that they just sort of expect to win every single year, uh, that they don't really have a lot of (laughs) their fan base maybe isn't always the kindest. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to a game where uh, against the Yankees, like you're you're at a home game for your club, so the Twins, right? It always seems like whenever I went to a Twins game against the Yankees and we'd see them in the Metrodome or at Target Field or whatever, there'd always be that three or four set of Yankee fans a couple rows in front of us who were just completely obnoxious Mm -hmm. the entire game just talking smack about the Twins, talking, and then, and then, of course, some dumb Minnesota fan who's had a couple too many green belts, you know, <laughs> deciding to let it get to them. Right. And then leading to some sort of verbal altercation, and usually the Yankee fan owning the Minnesota fan because... <laughs> what, what, what ground do we have to stand on at this point? <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. Like, you know, when you have 27 uh, World Series championships, it's hard to... Hard to talk smack about the New York Yankees, especially when they've completely destroyed the Twins in the playoffs and, generally speaking, for the last 20 years. So, Yeah. yeah anyway. All right. all right, man. Anything else? I think that's all we got today. All right. All we got for Plain Catch. Thanks for being with us. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. Yeah. We need to get the other platforms up, dude. We we're have to look at iTunes. We're and the on other Spotify ones. right now, though. Uh, and then you can get the link. We'll post it on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Plain Catch. And uh, we'd love to have you join and listen in and tell us what you think. Also, I'm trying to be doing some posts through Twins Daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll have a play and catch blog starting up here once spring training starts at twinsdaily.com. So check us, check it that, check that out as well. Thanks a lot. Yeah, let's do it. Nice to meet you.